0: book four chapter fourteen of the spy company a story of the mexican war by archibald clavering gunter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by john brandon book four miss godfrey's father chapter fourteen Sharp hampton's sweetheart after an almost sleepless night miss godfrey becomes satisfied that what she had divined the evening before is the grim truth coming downstairs next morning with a sinking of the heart at wounded modesty and humbled pride estrella finds that she has been brought from far away new york to this distant texas plantation to be convenient for the wooing of jasper Moncton. true she is not told this in so many words but at first opportunity her father says to her when they are alone together Moncton being busy with some plantation affairs for he immediately devotes himself to running the business of the big estate strella there's a wonderful fellow no sooner has he fixed up a big mule and cattle trade with the united states quartermaster and commissariat officers who are picking up things for use in the coming war than he's up here getting the stuff to fill the contracts he's just the kind of a man for this country in fact he's the spruce young fellow that i would like to settle down with you father please tell me exactly what you mean though she asks the question the girl guesses too well at what he hints oh what i said to you when you first came and made this place a kind of paradise to your old father he answers Jasper's the kind of man that you should marry one who won't take you away from me she doesn't reply to this, but goes out into the patio and very haughtily to Monkton when that dark-eyed dashing fellow whose manners have the polish of the Mississippi riverboat but hardly the delicacy of a drawing-room, comes riding up and says, "Good morning, Miss Strella. The cotton fields are looking mighty well, and the plant's doing finely. like to have a jaunt and look over them with me. Thank you, Mr. Monkton. She answers coolly papa has forbidden me the use of my horse it was a punishment for disobeying him ah she's a little skittish is she godfrey laughs jasper in a way that makes her writhe then he makes her writhe a little more he suggests i'll make your peace with your father and tears come into the girl's eyes at humiliated pride as he says jim you mustn't be too hard on your pretty daughter at my request, let up on her a little and permit her to have her mare to ride over the plantation with me. Why, of course, if you ask it, answers Godfrey. And turning to his daughter, he says, You ought to thank Moncton for begging you off. Now run upstairs and get into your riding habit. Excuse me, deprived of the exercise, I have rather lost my taste for it, she remarks indifferently. Shucks, you need it it'll make you brisker returns her father then his eyes grow entreating you'll do it for your old daddy yes if you'll go with us papa she answers affectionately reckon i must laughs godfrey some minutes after the young lady sweeps down haughty as a goddess and stands waiting for her horse the glove-like bodice of the riding habit of that day tracing each rounded outline of her bust and shoulders and the folds of its cloth skirt indicating limbs graceful as a nymph's his eyes on fire monckton steps to assist the beautiful creature into the saddle but motioning the darky boy to lead mulefoot beside the veranda estrella springs on the mare's back and makes jasper and godfrey scowl at her by laughing dad captain hampton showed me that trick then she rides off with the two men taking care all through the excursion to keep quite close to her father's side but she feels in better spirits for the exercise and quite politely thanks mr monckton for the side saddle so the days go on the girl acting as her father's housekeeper and seeing his home is made pleasant but feeling that pressure is being gradually brought on her in the matter of Moncton's suit, though perhaps it is foolishly brought, for it makes her indignant and rebellious. Before, when she had disobeyed her father, she has felt sad about it. Now she doesn't care. She would write other letters to the ranger, but he is far from her and her pride has been too severely wounded at receiving no answer nor visit from this man in addition she is now quite certain that there is some secret compact between godfrey and monckton by which the superintendent holds her father at his mercy on the long hot nights the two have got to drinking together and whiskey having made their tongues careless once she has heard the employee threaten make your gal quit being offish with me you know you've got to do it jim and now being driven desperate for she is not always able to decline jasper's attentions which are proffered at every convenient opportunity and which under her father's eye she sometimes cannot entirely refuse one day she speaks to godfrey confidentially saying dear dad if monckton has any hold over you any hold over me half screams her father what do you mean girl answer what do you mean only this she says bravely though the appearance of godfrey is such that it frightens her tell me about it and we will together face this man send him away we were happy before he came for your continued pressure upon me to accept his hand is making me undutiful even to you dear dad recovering his composure at his daughter's speech jim godfrey answers so sorrowfully that he gains his child's sympathy he does have a hold upon me i should think you could see that and not be so saucy with the handsome young fellow who is sweet on you as a bee is on honey you know he's cotton to you ever since he saw you at saratoga he told me that when he came back from the north so it is true what i guessed that i have been brought here to this plantation to be wooed by this man whether i willed or not utters estrella bitterly then asks reproachfully how could you because i could not help it says her father significantly impossible cries the girl how dare Monkton dictate to you or me in this way answers godfrey impressively after the plantation was destroyed i was powerful short of ready money even with the gold i had recovered it has been a great work to build up this place i had to pay the expenses of german immigrants so as to have settlers enough to make my title to my land grant good in addition these big gangs of niggers cost a pile of money i had to borrow it and monckton came forward with the ready cash until lately when this war has given me a little chance to crawl out of my hole i haven't been able to get hold of any great amount of money so things have gone on until with interest in notes and mortgages to monckton he could close up the whole thing and put me and you out on the prairie with no more money then when the rangers picked me up crazy after the fight at Rock Springs. But Jasper's a noble fellow, and I'll see him through all right. So far, Godfrey has made his plea quite skillfully, for his daughter has uttered a sigh of sympathy when he has spoken of being as penniless as when he returned to find his people massacred and his plantation destroyed. But now her parent makes a mistake. It wouldn't suit you, I can see.' he goes on with your fine lady airs and handsome dresses to be put out barefooted into the world if you get high-spirited with monckton i'm afraid he'll cut up rough about it for he thinks you're the finest girl in the world remember every time you turn up your nose at him or say a saucy word to him you're putting danger on your poor old dad as well as yourself noting that direct methods make his child rebellious Godfrey is playing the aged parent act. Her answer proves he is doing his role quite well. I don't think of myself, father, says the girl generously, though I will think of you. Give me time to consider this subject, and if the task is not too hard, perhaps. You'll do the right thing, by Jasper, cries the old man enthusiastically. You'll marry him. You'll give me grandchildren to play about my knee but the future grandfather has painted domestic life too vividly his daughter emits a short horrified scream and runs away though her face is not blushing it is pale with revulsion to her father some little time afterwards she says it is impossible ask me to work for you ask me to slave for you but marry that man i cannot but it is very hard for a girl practically alone with these two men on this secluded plantation to always resist a father whom she loves and always to repel the attention of a dashing persevering fellow who will assist her into the saddle and ride at her side for under paternal eyes estrella cannot always decline monkton's escort about this time horror comes to her the maiden shrinking from jasper's wooing begins to fear that punishments are ordered to the negroes so that she will beg them off from her suitor for now she finds that to get mercy for the slaves as has been her wont she has to plead with monckton not her father but her humanity is greater than her pride and she humbles herself to do this though on one of these occasions jasper says to her am i always to to do your bidding for nothing don't you my dear girl remember saratoga why do you always greet with cold looks the fellow who you know is bound to have you his audacious arm would go around her enticing waist but she mutters faintly have pity on my father yet shudders from him hanging her fair head abashed beneath his too ardent gaze and perhaps this young lady who has grown drooping and pathetic during these two summer months of constant pressure and persuasion might succumb to her father's entreaties which become each day more urgent did not about this time arise in her mind first a mighty joy then a tremendous awe-inspiring suspicion knowing that hampton has left san antonio with his company full two months before this godfrey one day proposes that estrella take a trip to that town with Moncton and himself as he has to see hayes the colonel of the texan rangers whose young face is growing old with his efforts to get his full regiment equipped and down to taylor at matamoras but the state of texas is very slow and very poor and the texan colonel having some difficulty in mounting his command is now trying to induce godfrey to take his guarantee and that of the state and furnish him the horses so the girl anxious to get away from a monotony that has overburdened her spirits makes with her father and her suitor a very long afternoon ride and arrives in san antonio de bexar coming up the banks of its beautiful tree-shaded river into the old town that a few years before had been entirely mexican but now has a few gringos in its inhabitants and a lot of texan rangers about its unpaved streets the evening is well advanced when she arrives and estrella arising rather late the next morning finds that her father and Moncton have left the old mexican inn and have gone off to their business with the ranger officers after a cup of chocolate and a Bunella, spanish fashion she wanders about the dreamy old pueblo gazing at the alamo as a sacred place and thinking of the martyrdom ten years before of travis bonham bowie and crockett and those other texan immortals who died that their state might live finally strolling from the ruins of the old church fortress whose battered walls are the altar of texan liberty she returns to the old tavern in which the party has made their headquarters here her father and Moncton come in the latter saying gloomily no trade hayes has nothing better than texas scrip to offer us yes as soon as we have dinner we'll get into the saddle again for live oaks remarks godfrey who has just kissed his daughter's lips proffered for morning's greeting they are about to sit down to a midday meal when a faint cheering comes very distantly up the street jingo wonder if there's news of another victory from taylor remarks her father don't think that's possible says monckton "'Taylor won't be able to move for a couple of months at the rate he's getting ready.' "'Yes, and you're keeping him from it,' cries Estrella. "'Such men as you, father, when you say that American victory means the settlement of all these lands and enormous wealth to you, why don't you give up a little for the present and let Hayes have horses for his regiment, who defend us from Indians and Mexicans?' "'Why, you're quite a stump-speaker!' laughs moncton and her father smilingly pats his daughter's cheek and says business first my child then sentiment about this time a ranger comes riding up and checking his pony in front of the hotel calls jack hayes wants to see you again gentlemen he's got something from taylor's quartermaster gentlemen that will fix you he says golly a contract from uncle sammy cries monckton and the two men go out together and hurry down the street leaving miss godfrey alone to get a mexican dinner so smiling rather sadly at herself the young lady rolls in her pretty fingers tortillas and dips up with them her stew of chili colorado and tasajo then interested in the life of the pueblo she wanders off by herself into the picturesque spanish streets and is quite contentedly inspecting some mexican boys with donkeys and women who are washing clothes on the banks of the san pedro creek when to her delight and astonishment she chances to raise her bright eyes and place them upon wild harry to her excited mr love don't you remember estrella godfrey he answers rather surly sure i remember ye miss but it seemed to me as if ye didn't remember us remember you why not did you not hear what i said to you when you left me to come to the hacienda if you ever wanted a home or a friend then she breaks out reproachfully and you didn't go to the front with hampton's company the answer she gets horrifies her no, I'm in Gillespie's. Answers Harry gloomily. I didn't care to go with a man who's got death in his eye. I want one chance for my life, and I don't think Sharphampton cares to have any chance. You see, there are some pretty nice girls that gets men's hearts, and well, well, you're the only woman that ever didn't take a shine to Sharphampton. I don't understand what you mean to insinuate returns the reproached one haughtily even if you are crazy you have no right to speak to me in that manner or on such a subject miss godfrey moves away but woman-like she will have the last word she turns and adds besides you're unjust unjust no i ain't unjust and i ain't crazy i'm only cute i am but estrella is so eager in her self exculpation that she goes on i did write to captain hampton well then he never got it never got it what makes you think that asks miss godfrey her eyes that have been distressed now beaming as the sun on mr love wall when i bid shrop goodbye he said Harry, you'll find me t'other side of Jordan, and asserts the Texan, inspecting the superb yet ethereal creature who stands blushing before him. No man that ye treated just right and was dead honey on ye from his spurs to his scalp lock would want to go t'other side of Jordan unless he tody ye with him. Never got it. Never got my letter? And Pablo swore he delivered it. What? pablo a greaser i reckon trust a greaser why somebody's been ambushing you miss godfrey perhaps answers estrella so sadly that mr love suggests encouragingly keep up your spunk seeing you ain't to blame i'll tell the cap perhaps that'll save his life oh will you cries the young lady for this matter is too close to her to let false modesty thwart it please tell captain hampton that i did write to him and that i am grateful for all that he has done for me please don't fail to tell him that here love gives her an awful shock he chuckles very well i'll tell on ye right off right off what do you mean i mean captain hampton's just come up from Morris, riding day and night with an order from uncle sam's quartermaster general that will get the horses for our regiment from any bronco dealer on earth you just take your stand by the river bank down yonder in them pecans miss i'll bring him to yer. and harry strides away during this last oration the maiden has been too surprised and confused to open her lips she now runs after him crying no no for heaven's sake what will he think of me that you're all right i reckon laughs the ranger gazing at her fairy-like loveliness he chuckles i'll tell the cap to load for butterfly and his long legs soon carry him out of hearing from miss godfrey the clinging skirt of whose riding habit prevents very rapid movement for a moment she stands her eyes frightened her features pale and twitching in bashful tremor then her face grows red as some prairie roses at her feet she says determinedly i'll do it and walks tremblingly down a lawn-like slope to sit by the side of the blue waters of the san antonio flowing in pretty ripples between banks shaded picturesquely by the varying foliage of grand oaks graceful ash-trees and a grove of pecans whose leaves afford the young lady a grateful shade this warm july day but after a little the strain of waiting overcomes her she starts as if to fly from the passions raging within her distracted soul and mutters jeeringly if he got my letter and didn't heed it then my message by word of mouth will hardly bring him to me a few days ago she no more could have waited for hampton by appointment than have given herself to him unasked but the helpless despairing misery of the last month during which have been forced on her the attentions of a man she loathes from whose suit there is no protection by her father when in fact she knows godfrey will ultimately exercise direct authority to compel her to become this man's bride lends the half frantic girl a kind of desperate boldness to herself she cries i have only had one love in this world and harry said that he wanted death because of my ingratitude nonsense twas my love he wanted hampton's beating heart against my own told me that as i rode in his arms fleeing from the comanches it was the foolish headstrong impassioned words of that wild young dragoon that kept his lips silent then sneers at herself that's as immodest and arrogant conceit as woman ever had no no i must not meet him what will my father think of my humiliating myself again to hampton against his absolute commands then she answers by pish it's not my dad's correction i fear tis that my pride may be once more wounded and muttering hoarsely that shall not be rises to hurry from this place but in the very act she pauses and through her lips her heart speaks she half screams half falters sharp and it is as if their separation had never been the ranger captain is looking at her as he did on the prairie for hampton his dress disordered by the awful travail of sixty continuous hours in the saddle is standing before the beautiful object of his love at her cry the great hope that thrills him makes this warrior of the plains tireless his eyes grow as brightly possessive as a panther's though hers are timid and shrinking as a doze it is the first time she has called him by his christian name her accents carry with them love passion greeting that during twelve weeks he has hungered for dreamed of and despaired of this maiden who looks beautiful is one of diana's nymphs eluding Actaeon as with her riding-skirt gathered up in one hand she is trying with faltering for any lover if he is loved the training of a trapper is to catch his game sharp hampton catches his with one athletic stride he has the flying beauty encircled by an arm of steel and is half whispering half moaning to her why for three months did you take the sun out of my heavens sweetheart and she in a semi-crazy way is sobbing and crying and her fair head has fallen upon his shoulder the next second their hearts are beating against each other as wildly as they did when he had borne her in his arms over the prairie from the indians but in addition their lips have met not in one kiss but in a dozen not short ones either but whole-souled and passionate with youthful love and panting on his breast she who ten minutes since had thought herself the most miserable girl in the world now thinks herself the happiest on earth for she knows that she is his then modesty getting the best of love she falters oh heavens what must you think of me next questions in pathetic reproach sharp how could you ever go to battle and to death without even bidding me good-bye was it the wild words of that crazy pelham the dragoon that i heard from over the balcony at corpus christi when he told you to take good care of his treasure that kept your lips silent when you you must have known that i loved you my heart beating against yours in the wilderness as wildly as it does now must have told you that this last is said with averted head the ranger's eyes are too ardent for her to meet his glance i thought pelham had a right to you answers hampton in frontier simplicity now i know he hadn't you wouldn't give yourself to me if he had you're not the kind of girl to play with two men at one time no indeed i'm not says Estrella, very truthfully and receives for her candor a very pleasant reward after a little both grow slightly more rational and sit down side by side but soon the lady commences to ask questions why did you not answer my note that i wrote asking you before you left for danger and battle to come and bid me good-bye the only missive that i have received from your hacienda remarks Hamden shortly his eyes resting very tenderly on the loveliness before him for the girl in her excitement and passion looks in the flesh even more enchanting than perchance she had seemed to his imagination and he has thought of her very often was one from her father in which he enclosed a draught on galveston for your expenses and what he deemed the price of mulefoot that i had left as a present for you why it was almost an insult cries his sweetheart indignantly yes i hardly thought it over polite at all events i concluded it indicated your father wished to be rid of an unpleasant obligation and dad did that says estrella bitterly then queries eagerly and you never received my letter begging you to come and say good to me the one with the little flower in it one of the posies you plucked for me on the prairie i kept the rest sharp murmurs the girl, archly but diffidently, though Papa commanded me never to think of you again, and my pride told me that, too. And if I hadn't been nearly crazy with misery, I don't think you would have got me sharp. Crazy with misery? You turn to me because you're unhappy? Oh, no, not that, but I don't think I would have ever seen you again if I hadn't been so desperate that I... I wasn't as modest as I generally am. Whereupon Miss Godfrey tells of Moncton's pursuit of her, stating that her father is pressing her to marry his superintendent because they'll both be paupers if she doesn't. But I, I couldn't give myself to any man but you. And that's embarrassing enough, falters the young lady, for the first rapture of surrender being over, Hampton's eyes are so ardent, that she hangs her head though perhaps she loves him more because her modesty won her he now fondles her as backwood's boy does frontier sweetheart though in truth the captain is very tender with his graceful creature who seems to him like a fairy descended to earth to bless him with her ethereal beauty and radiant love she now also receives the consolation of being supported by a man who may be very diffident in his wooing, but is very strong in his possession. She is sure that having won her, her ranger's sweetheart will never permit her to be another's. Hampton says shortly, Sweetheart, don't let that bother you a little bit. You just tell your dad that you're sharp Hampton's promised wife, and you tell that also to that Moncton when he comes talking honey to you, and he'll know it means that he lets you alone, or... Or, she breaks in sadly, or you'll risk your life in personal combat? I'm accustomed to that. Yes, you risked it against a whole Mexican army, she murmurs, then sighs. Did you do that because you didn't think you'd get me? The answer that she receives is not as complimentary as perchance she expected. Not exactly, answers Hampton promptly. I did it because it was my duty. Of course I felt blue as thunder but i don't commit suicide for misery you wouldn't want happiness to make a coward of me either i suppose oh no sighs his sweetheart of course i know you're compelled to go to the front oh not immediately taylor won't be able to move for six weeks i only brought the order up to get the horses for hayes's command two hours ago the boys won't be ready to go down for two or three weeks worth's division won't be concentrated at camargo for a month more a third of the volunteers and regulars haven't left new orleans yet for the big campaign in northern mexico and by the white buffalo in the two or three weeks leave i'll get hampton emphasizes his words with a possessive pressure of the delicate waist that vibrates in his grasp we're going to have if you say so girl the very nicest honeymoon oh heaven gasps the young lady and i'm going to have the very sweetest bride man ever had you mean you would marry me immediately falters miss godfrey in almost terrified amazement why i've i've only seen your face a few months oh yes i've only seen your face that time too reckon i might as well be scared as you "'But I'm gritty in the marriage matter, I am,' says Sharp, enthusiastically. "'Bill Baldwin only knew his girl two days, "'and Luther Loring married his wife "'the morning after he rescued her from the Apaches. "'You've got pluck enough for a ranger's wife, trella. "'It's the first time he has used her Christian name, "'but it seems to come easily to his tongue. "'And after we've had two or three weeks of bliss,' you put the kiss of a soldier's wife on my lips and you say sharp you go down and do your duty for your country but my father murmurs the demanded one tremblingly oh don't bother yourself about him i'll take care of that i've seen dads pick out the wrong men for their daughters husbands and guess again laughs hampton as if the affair was settled YOU EXPLAIN THE MATTER TO THE OLD MAN, AND I'LL BE DOWN TO SEE YOU TOMORROW EVENING. I CANNOT GET AWAY BEFORE, BUT PERHAPS YOU'D BETTER TELL YOUR FATHER TO LET YOU STAY UP IN SAN ANTONIO TILL THE WEDDING. NO, NO, I MUST BREAK IT TO HIM QUIETLY, PLEADS THE GIRL. SHARP, GIVE ME A FEW HOURS TO BREAK IT TO DAD, THOUGH I SUPPOSE HE'LL SEE IT IN MY FACE. "'Besides, it won't be so long, after all, for Papa loves me.' "'Very well,' remarks Hampton. "'You tell Dad in your own way. "'I'm glad you say that you've no great shakes for money. "'Tell you the truth, that big hacienda always seemed to stand between us, "'but I've a little plantation of my own up in Shelby County, "'and if you're the girl I think you are, you'd share my blanket "'if I hadn't put one to my name.' Yes, I would, answers Estrella stoutly, though her face is very red. As for this nice answer, she receives a kiss that makes her quiver from head to heel. Remember this. I can't give you more than a couple of days to get ready for the wedding, whispers the ranger very longingly. No, Sharp, that'll be enough, because I, I love you, murmurs Estrella. She puts her arms tenderly about him and makes him happy with a kiss that carries her soul to her lips but here hampton mutters i'm afraid i've been a little selfish in my love i've no right to ask you to hit your fate sweetheart with a man who may be dead in a month though i'd like to call you my wife before i die dear one just wouldn't seem quite right if i didn't and you shall cries his fiance impetuously You said two days in two days i call you husband and you call me wife whispers hampton taking off his sombrero to her in his simple frontier way for the word wife produces reverence as well as ardor in true manhood so with her hand in her affianced Estrella strolls out of the pecan grove to grow red under the eyes of Mr. Love, who apparently awaiting them sits whittling a willow branch. The frontiersman gazes at the coming bride, emits a prolonged whistle, and ejaculates sententiously, dropped. Yes, I'm Sharphampton's gal, says the new fiancee, bashfully but proudly in frontier fashion though in truth she wonders even now whether she is rational or not her dropping having been so sudden End of chapter fourteen recording by john brandon